In the last episode, we talked about the role of the kitchen and dining room in the Christian home and how God biblically uses those spaces to foster fellowship and hospitality in the home, uh, not, not only among the different guests who come over to visit, uh, but, but among the members of the family themselves who make a habit of eating together on a regular basis. Again, we are working through a Bible study series I've titled The Christian Home, uh, where we are taking a kind of uh, room-by-room walkthrough, as it were, of the model Christian home. In this episode, we're going to get up from the dining room table and move into the living room, where I want us to see and talk about what entertainment and leisure looks like in the Christian home, uh, and, and the various forms that can look. Though the two are closely related, I'll go ahead and tell you I do see a slight difference between those ideas. Uh, That being the idea of entertainment and the idea of leisure. For the sake of this episode, when I talk about leisure, uh, what I'm thinking of there is, is simply one's time off from work and other responsibilities. For me, leisure time is the same thing as rest time. It's, it's simply taking a break from, from whatever it is you're doing. When I think of entertainment, on the other hand, uh, what I'm thinking of there is all of the various ways a person may choose to spend their leisure time. So it's, it's, it's resting by participating in some enjoyable or recreational activity. It's, it, it's not just sitting on a chair and watching paint dry, <laughs> uh, and, unless, of course, that's something you find gratifying in some way. Um, but to be entertained is to engage on some level, um, e- even if you are just sitting still, with something that evokes your enjoyment. I break it down into those two ideas because I know for a lot of Christian families, uh, the the first part to that isn't hard to create a biblical category for. The whole idea of taking time to rest from our work is something that God expects us to do and and is a strong biblical theme all throughout the scriptures. The, The whole idea of Sabbath assumes God's intention for us to take time on a regular basis to relax from our work. Granted, for you theologians out there, I I personally don't think that religious Sabbath-keeping and the taking one day off every week sense of the term is necessarily a requirement that the the New Covenant believer is commanded to do. Uh, Rather than thinking of the Sabbath as what some call a creation ordinance or an expectation dating back to the beginning, which some assume in God's example of resting on the seventh day of creation, uh, I don't personally see it as a requirement formally given until the Mosaic law is introduced in in the book of Exodus. All, All that to say, like the rest of the Mosaic law, I see the Sabbath simply as, quote, a shadow of things to come, the substance, of course, belonging to Christ, as Colossians 2 says. So, uh, for, for what it's worth, I don't see a day of rest as something I have to require of my family as, as a part of our Christian faith. With that said, though, I, I do see some very practical wisdom and benefit in taking time uh, to, to rest, even for the Christian. And, and the reason is primarily because, New Testament requirement or not, we need to rest. 
by nature of the fact that, that none of us are omnipotent, right? And, and we aren't ultimately self-sustaining. The need to rest is built into our DNA, not just for us to catch up on once a week, but for us to catch up on every single night when our head hits the pillow. Or throughout the day when we just have to sit down for 20 minutes to recuperate before getting back to it. We have to rest, and that rest is a means of grace to refuel us to be able to work. And there are plenty of examples in the Bible of godly figures, Old and New Testament alike, taking time to rest, uh, whether that's on the Sabbath day or, or any other, as a momentary retreat from work. For the most part, I think resting is an accepted biblical discipline. It's the idea of how to spend our rest and the role of entertainment in the Christian life that I think creates uh, a, a bit more confusion. Beyond staring at the wall and watching paint dry, what <laughs> what enjoyable things can Christians do uh, to help recharge their batteries before getting back to work? I know there are a lot of stereotypes out there about Christians not being allowed to have fun. Uh, the, the reputation of the Puritans, for example, to, to quote the critics, assumes that to be a devoted Christian is to have uh, a haunting fear that someone somewhere may be happy. So if a Christian is really godly and truly wants to be Christ-like, they have to adopt a kind of rigid, self-disciplined asceticism. That they have to be serious all the time. Never mind the fact that God is often described as a God of joy. And, and, and Christians are commanded to be joyful. Well, as, as much respect as I have for the Puritans, and, and while I would agree uh, with the wisdom of being cautious in what entertainment choices a Christian selects, I don't think we can throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, in the same way, the need to rest is built into our DNA. I think the need for pleasure and enjoyment is also something we were created to do. Adam and Eve's enjoyment in the Garden of Eden, I think, is a perfect example to point to. The freedom to eat, quote, of all the fruits of the garden speaks to the fact that, that God wanted Adam and Eve to enjoy whatever they found to enjoy. And, and, and my guess is that that not only applied to all the literal fruits hanging off the trees, but to all the other figurative fruits and pleasures the garden had to offer, from the, the beautiful scenery to playing with the animals to swimming in, in one of those four rivers Genesis 2 talks about to uh, enjoying one another in marital intimacy. And again, we're, we're going to talk more about that one in, in the next episode on the bedroom. God said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Every tree, that is, but, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, th- there was one tree off limits, the forbidden tree. And it wasn't until Adam and Eve crossed the line and sought to enjoy the tree God told them they couldn't enjoy that they sinned against God. And so I, I think the point is the practice of enjoying yourself is not in and of itself a bad thing and, and in fact is something God created us to do until we do so in violation of any of his commands. And, and we'll talk more about that here in a second. Well, while I think the Garden of Eden is a great example in this episode, the, the example I really want to focus on is, is, is that of King Solomon. 
Because if there was ever a biblical figure who is described as seeking to serve the Lord while still seeking to (laughs) entertain himself, it was definitely Solomon. You should know the story. The son of King David, Solomon, was blessed by the Lord with great wisdom and wealth. We're told more so than any other figure in the Bible. By the way, when thinking about Solomon's prosperous situation, it's important we first acknowledge God's grace as a primary factor in his life. Because if if we're not careful, we may look at all of Solomon's luxuries and assume him to be just another self-indulgent rich person. Uh, But remember, according to 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord was pleased with the heart behind one of Solomon's prayers and blessed him with all his wealth and honor. Granted, we'll see what he eventually did with that, but uh, initially speaking, it was all a gift from God. And being a gift from God, it makes sense that one of the first things Solomon did with his resources was to serve the Lord with it. You'll remember, first and foremost, Solomon used his wealth to do what? To build a temple for the Lord in keeping with his father David's original plan to build a house of worship. So he he built the temple. But, But it's interesting if you keep reading that after he built the temple, Solomon also used his wealth to build a luxurious palace for himself in 1 Kings chapter 7. (laughs) He gave great expense to a splendid house, no doubt in part for his own enjoyment, which was also understood according to the context to be an evidence of God's blessings on him. So God blessed Solomon with the resources to build, yes, a fancy home with all the amenities. You can read in the chapter all about the specifications and the fine materials that went into his new upscale home. Uh, We're told later in the book of Ecclesiastes how he turned his palace into the perfect staycation spot, (laughs) right, as, as a balance to both work and play during his reign as king. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon describes it, quote, I made great works, I built houses, planted vineyards for myself, I made myself gardens and parks, planted in them all kinds of fruit trees, I made myself pools from which to, to water the forest of growing trees, I had servants, I, I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces, I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man." And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. In other words, Solomon stayed pretty busy, not only toiling in all his stressful responsibilities as king, but he stayed pretty busy finding enjoyable ways to rest and relax from those responsibilities in a variety of at-home pleasures. Among them were well-landscaped gardens, pools, animals, expensive treasures, and even live entertainment, right, with, with those male and female singers. I imagine Solomon also had porticos to sit under, comfortable seats to sit on, large and elaborate fire pits to sit around on the grounds of his multi-acre palace. Talk about the ultimate outdoor living room. Unfortunately, we're also told Solomon entertained himself with a harem of concubines and multiple wives, enjoying all the 
the sensual pleasures that that implies. He enjoyed them so much, in fact, according to 1 Kings 11 verse 13, that he had a thousand different women at his disposal over the 40 years of his reign to, quote, comfort him and keep him company. The, the Bible says he clung to these in love and they turned away his heart from God. That, of course, indicates that at some point along the way in his relaxation choices, Solomon crossed the line. As, as far as we know, there was no inherent problem in all those different resort-like pleasures he incorporated into his home until it mentions all the, the women whose companionship he enjoyed a little too much. By the way, the, the line Solomon crossed wasn't some subjective social norm or taboo adopted by the culture at the time, but, but the line he crossed was a violation of God's clear command as written in the scriptures. In Deuteronomy 17.17, 17, the law explicitly stated, interestingly enough, in reference to any possible future kings of Israel, quote, he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. <laughs> Is that not prophetic of Solomon? I'm not prepared in this episode to deal with, with the entire concept of having multiple wives in the Old Testament. That's I think that's an in-depth discussion for another day, but as related to the kings of Israel, God was pretty clear. Don't acquire many wives. Unless the kings forget where God draws the line, Deuteronomy 17 also instructs them to keep, quote, a copy of God's law with him and to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord. What, what a wonderful piece of counsel to the one free to enjoy all the fruits of the garden, right? What, what's the counsel? The counsel is keep a copy of God's word close at hand to remember which of those trees are forbidden. When it comes to our own entertainment choices, we might not think God has much to say on the topic, but I would argue that's only because perhaps we're not as familiar as we should be with all the things God has said. So, Open your own copy of God's Word and read it. You, you may be surprised to find that what you thought was a subjective line in the sand turns out to be an absolute command etched in stone. If you read your Bible closely, there shouldn't be a debate on, on whether or not we're allowed to indulge ourselves to the point of debauchery or drunkenness or gluttony or idolatry or cruelty or, or anything like that. As Galatians 5 says, such acts of the flesh are obvious. And, and why are they obvious? Well, because God has clearly forbidden them. Hiring the service of a prostitute or indulging in food and alcohol without moderation or, or breaking out the Ouija board and dabbling in necromancy, right? All those things are clearly forbidden in Scripture. And if they aren't outright forbidden, there are plenty of examples to show it's not anything the godly take part in. I mean, I don't think Herod's example of throwing a garden party and entertaining himself with sensual dancers in Matthew 14 uh, is something we should read about and, and think it's a good idea to emulate. These things are obvious. Of course, I understand there are other forms of entertainment out there that, that aren't as obvious to us. Things like games and sports, books and movies, music. Where do all those things fall on the scale? Well, believe it or not, the Bible does mention such things in one form or another. Uh, I, I know the, the Bible mentions at times Greek poets and athletes. Uh, that, that would fall in the categories of literature and sports. The Bible talks about children's games. It talks about music. 
And not just music played in worship to the Lord, but music played for the purpose of relaxing and alleviating stress. Remember David playing his harp for Saul? Listen, even theater is indirectly mentioned whenever the Bible talks about hypocrites. If you don't already know it, all the word hypocrite means in the Greek is actor. Hypocrites are actors. They pretend to be what they aren't. They portray a convincing performance like actors on the stage. That's that's not to demean professional actors or to say the art of acting or the pastime of watching actors act is necessarily wrong, but, but the wearing of a mask in everyday life is nothing more than a performance. All that to say that the Bible talks about entertainment more than we may realize. The only challenge is, other than those obvious choices God clearly forbids, God seems to be somewhat silent on, on how we approach all the rest of it. And we do need to be honest and admit where God is silent on the subject, because if we're not honest about that, we may may try to insert our own rules on entertainment, calling them God's rules, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men, as Jesus warns us about doing. So, So how do we proceed? Well, personally, I think the way to proceed where there isn't a clearly drawn line in the sand or a clearly identified forbidden fruit in the garden um, is, is to think about our various choices as part of all of those fruits God has graciously made available for us to enjoy. They are free for our enjoyment. Or as Solomon puts in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. By the way, I know Ecclesiastes is written from the perspective of an older Solomon reflecting on the evolving journey of his own thinking and attitude in life. Not every verse of Ecclesiastes needs to be thought of as a fully developed theology, but uh, but but still, he's on the right track in the statement I just quoted. God has gifted us, to whatever degree he's gifted us, with all manner of enjoyments. What, what I take that to mean is the books on your bookshelf are gifts from God. The sports channel on your TV is a gift from God. The instruments you can play or the Pandora playlist on your phone are all gifts from God. The board games in your closet are gifts from God. The Netflix and Amazon Prime subscription are gifts from God, assuming we aren't using them in violation to any of God's clear commands. That's something you have to evaluate in your own reading of God's word. If it's not in violation of God's commands, guess what? You may freely enjoy them. It's it's not a sin to curl up with a good novel or, or to put on your favorite sports jersey and watch the Super Bowl with your friends or, or to put in your earbuds and, and tap your foot to the beat. It, it's not a sin to play chess or Monopoly or Scrabble, unless, of course, you're cheating. But if it's all in good fun, these things are blessings from the Lord. And folks, I would argue movies, movies fall in that category too. I love what I read in a book I read recently on time management, speaking on the benefit of watching inspiring movies. 
An author named Matt Perman writes this, God invented movies in part so we could find inspiration in the visual presentation of stories with a hero who overcomes massive obstacles for the sake of a great cause. I think that's right. If done properly, all these different forms of entertainment not only give us cause to praise God for His manifold grace, but they they can refresh and inspire us to greater forms of service when we finally do return to our work, to the glory of God. This is one reason why Solomon reflects on the fact that if not done with a God-glorifying purpose, all our entertainment choices turn out to be a giant waste of time. It all turns out to be vanity. As awesome of an outdoor living room as he created for himself, Solomon confesses, quote, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Again, ultimately speaking. In other words, it doesn't matter if an entertainment option is biblically permissible, that doesn't automatically make it beneficial. Sure, it, it, it wasn't wrong for Solomon to invest in all his landscaping and patio furniture, but, but in the grand scheme of things... And after an honest evaluation of his heart, Solomon admitted it wasn't ultimately fulfilling for him. Why wasn't it fulfilling? Because he sought to enjoy himself for the sake of enjoying himself rather than seeing the greater purpose for those pleasures. And and what was the purpose? The purpose was to glorify God. The the way I would describe it is similar to the joy a parent receives on Christmas morning, gifting their children with good gifts. Yes, a gift is given so that that child may enjoy the gift. But guess what? The gift is also given so that the parent may enjoy the child's enjoyment of the gift, their responsible care of that gift, and their gratitude for receiving it. At the end of his life, Solomon finally figured that out. He wrote... The end of the matter is this, after all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. In in other words, the point of the gift we call life is to give regard to the one who gave us that life. Can we enjoy life? Yes, but, but we enjoy life by enjoying the one who gave it to us. Hence Paul's charge in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do. I would encourage you as, as you think about the role of the living room in your own home and, and, and how as a Christian family you are using that to rest and recuperate in between all the busyness of your responsibilities, remember this. The Bible has drawn a line on what the forbidden fruits are in our gardens. To know what those are, you've got to read your Bible and let the Word speak for itself. Where a line isn't drawn, let me ease your conscience. It's okay to enjoy God's gifts. In fact, I'll go a step further. You should be enjoying God's gifts. 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. 
just remember to receive it with thanksgiving. That is, remember to receive it with regard to God. Glorify Him in your enjoyment of His gifts. If you can't do that, perhaps you should rethink your entertainment choices. I hope this episode has been helpful to you. To hear the other parts to this series, I encourage you to subscribe to our channel. Uh, Stay tuned for the next part I'll be putting out here soon. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless. Mm